Well, good morning, everybody. I am excited to introduce this morning's guest preacher, Chad Kirtland. And uh, Chad grew up here at Batcher Creek, and I was privileged to watch Chad grow up from just a little guy to the wonderful man of God that he is today. Uh, I've always appreciated Chad's humble spirit, kind spirit, helpful spirit, positive spirit. Chad is a graduate of Johnson University and is the proud son of Steve and Kathy Kirtland and the proud husband of Lindsay Kirtland. Chad was ordained into the ministry uh, in this room just four years ago this summer. And I know you're really going to be blessed by what he has to bring this morning. So I am going to ask you to give him a warm welcome back welcome as he comes up to present. Actually, that ordination was this weekend four years ago, so like, it's really cool to be back here this weekend um, four years later. Um, but real quick, I also want to say Happy Father's Day. Can we have all the fathers stand up, whether you're grandfather, dad, great-grandfather, stepfather? So I'm really big into statistics and because I'm a nerd, um, but... I was reading something a couple years ago, and so the numbers, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but when I, I read when a child is the first one in a family to come to Christ, it's 10, just around 10% the chances of the entire family will follow. And if the mom is the first one to come to Christ, then it's right around 30% that the rest of the family will follow. But if it's the father that steps into relationship with Christ and commits to being the spiritual head of the household, it jumps up above 75% that the rest of the family will follow and stay committed to Christ. So dads, thank you so much for being here on your day because this is the best place that you could be as you lead your family to become those devoted followers of Christ. It's so good to be back here at the church that I've called home for so many years. My family has been here for generations. We have about four generations just sitting right over here, I think. Um, and so like, I love this place. This place helped form me into the person that I am today. But I also want to say a special thank you to our lead pastor, Solomon David, because he has been an incredible, godly example of what it looks like to be a leader, a husband, a follower, and a man. So Solomon, thank you so much for who you are and how you lead this church. Today, we are going to be jumping into um, our next question for asking for a friend. And that question is, how can God forgive me if I can't even forgive myself? This question is so central to who we are as a church, as a faith, and as followers of God. Because without forgiveness, heaven's not possible. Without forgiveness, the church wouldn't be a thing. Without forgiveness, we shouldn't even be here. But we have forgiveness. So today it's going to get pretty real, pretty raw, because one thing I know is that each and every person in here has struggled with this. Because in Scripture it even says itself that in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in need of forgiveness. You, me, the, 
person sitting around you, we are all walking on level playing field here today because each and every one of us is in desperate need to be forgiven. So we all have this nasty word called sin written in our lives. And that's why forgiveness is so centrally important. Because you see, when God created the world, he said, it is good, saying, this is perfect. But then he created man and gave man his own free will and man sinned. And when man sinned, the world was no longer perfect. And our good and perfect God cannot be in the presence of imperfection. But as we look at this question, I want to first attack that first half of it. How can God forgive me? This is where we're going to start because this is the foundation of our faith. Throughout the Bible, we see a close correlation between that word forgiveness and the words confession and repentance. In 1 John 1, 8 through 9, it says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and have not been living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. When we confess our sins to God, we are saying, hey, we're wrong. It's an act of humility. It's saying that I can't do this on my own. God, I need you. But it isn't just enough to admit when we've been wrong. We ha also have to turn away from what is wrong. Because if we are pursuing what's wrong, we cannot pursue Christ. If we expect God to forgive us, we not only have to confess our sins, but we also have to repent or turn away from that sin. In Acts 3.19 it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Until we are willing to turn away from our worldly and fleshly desires, we cannot pursue God. God will wipe out our sins. All we have to do is put our faith in him, confess our sins, and turn and pursue God. Sounds pretty easy, right? Wrong. Because even though we do confess our sins and we repent from our sins, that doesn't always make it easy to accept the forgiveness. Even though in our heads we, we know that God wants to forgive us, God will forgive us, we don't always feel like we deserve it. We don't always feel like we've earned it. And so we go on living our lives not willing to accept the forgiveness. And you're right. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing in our lives that we have done is good enough to warrant the forgiveness of God. But isn't that what forgiveness is? So I googled the definition of forgiveness because, well, Google knows everything. And the best definition that I saw was, forgiveness means to cancel a debt. We've all seen debt, most of us. You know, credit card debt. We've taken out a mortgage those terrifying, infamous student loans that never seem to go away. But the debt I'm talking about today is our sin debt. Our sins have acquired us a debt that we cannot possibly fathom paying back. But God had a plan. God sent his son Jesus. The only one that could pay our debt is someone who could live a perfect and sinless life, and Jesus did exactly that. He came 
born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died a death he did not deserve, simply so that you and I could live with him forever. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later, defeating death and giving us victory. Forgiveness of our sins is possible. There's nothing that we have to do to earn it. All we got to do is accept the free gift of grace. When we accept Jesus as our Savior and we confess our sins and we turn and pursue God, it's like Christ's blood comes and covers and washes away all of our sin. So here's what scripture says about God's forgiveness. In Psalm 103, 12, it says, He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. Ephesians 1, 7, Through God's grace and Christ's blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. Daniel 9, 9, Even though we have rebelled against him, our God is merciful and forgiving. Acts 10, 43, Everyone who believes in Jesus shall receive the forgiveness of sin. Romans 6, 23, The wages of sin is death, but the but God gives us the gift of eternal life through Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jeremiah 31, 34, the Lord will forgive our wickedness and he will no longer remember our sins. Isaiah 53, 5, Christ was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. His punishment brought us peace, was placed on him, and by his wounds we are healed. As Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And through your, in Isaiah 1, 18, it says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. What once brought us shame and regret, God is removing from us as far as the east is from the west. Christ has already paid our debt. There's nothing that we have to do There's nothing that we can do to earn it. When we accept Jesus and put our faith in him alone, we confess our sins, we can have confidence that God will forgive us. So now we've talked about that first half of the question, how can God forgive us? And now we're left with the question, how do we respond? The most natural way to respond to the grace that's been shown to us through God is to begin to show that same grace to others. To begin to forgive those around us. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, this is going to take some restraint. Without nudging your spouse or the person sitting next to you, how many in here would say that they struggle holding grudges? Now, be honest. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's so easy when someone wrongs you that you want to pay them back. So I was reading a story this last week about an entire group of people that are having a lot of trouble letting go of a grudge. You see, it was back in 1972, the Olympics were in full swing. The U.S. basketball team had never lost an Olympic game. So this year, they were favored to win yet again. They were in the finals, playing against the Soviet Union team. 
Midway through the fourth quarter, they found themselves down by 10 points. But they battled back. They fought. And they got back within one point. And with a minute left, the Soviet team was coming across midcourt when Doug Collins stole the ball and drove hard to his basket. And on his way to lay up, the winning shot was fouled hard from behind with three seconds left. So he's at the foul line. Ref passes him the ball. Doug Collins has it. Shoots, makes it. Tied game, 49-49. Second shot comes. Ref bounces on the ball, catches it. Shoots, but midway through his shot, the buzzer at the, sound, at the scores table goes off. But Doug Collins doesn't miss a beat, finishes the shot, sinks it again. U.S. up, 50-49. Three seconds remaining. Game continues. Soviets pass the ball in. They, cut, they get to about the midcourt. When the ref sees the commotion going on over at the scores table, you see the assistant coach for the Soviet team insisted that they had called a timeout prior to the shot, but the buzzer went off during the shot, thus shouldn't have been a timeout. But there was commotion going on, and the ref said, we need to stop the game. So with one second left, stops the game midcourt, goes over to try to figure out what's going on, but he's having a lot of trouble English speakers over here, these people are speaking Russian, and the scores table speaking a completely different language, and the ref's trying to navigate all of it. So he decides, no timeout, we're going to start right here, mid-court, one second left. But a representative from the Olympic Committee decided that he needed to speak into the matter when he had no right to do so, comes down to the scores table, and insists that the last three seconds should be played again. So in the midst of all this commotion, the Soviet team was able to plan their strategy for the last three seconds, and they also were able to make an illegal substitution. So three seconds left on the clock. Again, Soviet team has the ball. They throw it down as far as they can to their tallest player underneath the basket, goes off his fingertips, off the backboard, misses, buzzer sounds, U.S. wins. But story goes on. You see, the timekeeper was not able to get the time set and time for the play to start. And so they can't be sure that it was a true three seconds. So, again, the same guy from the Olympic Committee decides that they should replay the three seconds yet again for the third time. This time, throws the ball all the way down court. Good pass. Tallest guy catches it, lays it up right as the butter goes off. Soviet Union wins the game. the third time. So if you had trouble keeping track, US team won twice, the Soviet Union team won once, and the gold medal. The medal ceremony comes around and you have on the first place platform the entire Soviet team. On the third place platform, the entire Cuba team. But you look over at the second place platform and the US team is nowhere to be found. You see, they could not fathom accepting a silver medal when they won the gold medal, not once, but twice. And now, nobody on the team has their silver medal, and they probably never will, because you see, by rules, the entire team all has to decide that they want it before anybody can receive it. And a guy on the team by the name of Kenny Davis wrote an amendment in his will that says that his wife and kids cannot accept a silver medal from the Olympic Committee. 
So, 47 years later, a grudge lives on. How many of us, when we are wrong, find it so easy to never let it go? Ultimately, this bogs us down and keeps us from living our lives and makes us bitter and angry. But God says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. When Jesus was teaching his, his followers to pray, he told them to pray, forgive us as we forgive others. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I've really struggled to forgive people. And I'm sure you want the forgiveness of God, just like I do. If we have received God's forgiveness, then we have to be willing to forgive others. We can all think of stories of forgiveness in our lives. We all have examples to look to. The example that I, I look to is, is my mom, Kathy Kirtland. I know my family's been around this church for generations, so I know a lot of you know my family's story. But I need to share it today because I know that someone in here needs that example of forgiveness. You see, around 32 years ago this summer, an event took place that shaped me and my family for who we are. You know, on an average afternoon, Steve and Kathy were over at their parents' house, Jerry and Bonita, having a meal. And as the day progressed, the chores needed to be taken care of on the farm. And so Steve and Jerry went over to handle the chores, and they took along Steve's son, Ryan. To spare you too many details, while they were on the farm taking care of chores, an accident happened that caused Steve and Jerry to have to rush Ryan to the hospital. Kathy and Bonita soon followed, but when they arrived at the hospital, 18-month-old Ryan lost his life that day. In the days and in the weeks and even the years that followed, Kathy struggled to desire to be a mother, struggled to the desire to forgive. She was filled with some of that bitterness and that rage and that anger that we talked about in Ephesians 4.31. And many of us would think rightfully so. But, Kathy made a choice. Kathy made a choice to fight for her family, which ultimately led her to step down the path of forgiveness. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey, but it's also a choice. My mom has become the example of forgiveness and strength to many. And today I, I share her story because I know that there's someone in here today that needs to hear it. There's someone in here that's holding on to that bitterness and that rage, refusing to forgive someone. God forgives us as we forgive others. Let go of it and choose to release it and forgive them. So another way that we need to respond to receiving God's grace is we need to forgive ourselves. The second half of that question, how can God forgive me if I cannot forgive myself? We already talked about God forgives you 
He desires to have that relationship with you, but oftentimes what holds us back from that relationship is that we cannot fathom understanding forgiveness for what we've done. So many of us have walked down paths that we aren't proud of. Substance abuse, sexual immorality. Some of us have said things that we can't take back, and some of us have betrayed people we love. The list goes on. What path have you stepped down? You see, these paths, these things that hold us back, those are our setbacks. And now we find ourselves full of regret and full of shame. But let me tell you, we don't have to be ashamed anymore. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've said. I don't care what's been said or what's been done to you. Because I know what God says about you. God says you're redeemed. God says you are forgiven. God says you are free. He calls you his child. We are co-heirs with Christ. And I don't know about you, but knowing that and reminding myself of that in the morning makes me walk a little bit taller. As you walk out of this building today, I want you to understand that. You are free, redeemed, forgiven. You are a child of God. As soon as we confess and we turn from our sins and, and we focus on God, we're forgiven. Then these regrets that we are feeling that brings us shame, they turn into our stories. You have a story, and the purpose of every story is to be told. When we begin to see these paths that we've walked down as stories, that is a step that we need to take to start forgiving ourselves. Because you see, these setbacks that we talked about earlier, they stop holding us back. And these setbacks become someone else's setup. Do you think Steve, Kathy, Jerry ever had to forgive themselves? You bet they did. And to some extent, they wrestle with that every day. But their willingness to share what some people might consider the ultimate setback has been a setup for so many people. Shortly after the events happened, three people stepped into a relationship with Christ. And it's because they're willing to share their story. Who needs to hear your story? You know, I will never forget the morning that my, my firstborn son, Emerson, was born. I was in the hospital room and he was being held by, by his mom, Lindsay, and my mom is sitting across the room, and, and Lindsay says, Kathy, I don't know how you could do it. I couldn't go on if I lost my little boy. My mom quickly responds, without missing a beat, there's no moving on without God. Every one of us has a past. Choose to let go of the shame today. Move on with God. God has forgiven you as soon as you have asked for it. He sent his son to die for your forgiveness. That's how bad he wants to know you. Turn your past into your story. Tell it to anyone that will hear it. Allow your setback to become their set up. You know, Ryan passed away 32 years ago this summer. But his story isn't one of tragedy and death. His story 
is one of forgiveness and restoration. You know, this story is vital into shaping me into who I am today, and it's vital to shaping my family into who we are. I've shared our story because I know someone in here needed to hear it. Now, someone needs to hear your story. I want to challenge you to go and share it. Tell them about the healing and restoration you have in Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for bringing us here together, and we thank you for just the forgiveness that you've offered in sending your son. And God, we love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. And now as we continue in an attitude of meditation and prayer, we're going to celebrate the ultimate act of forgiveness today as we take communion. You know, it's a time of remembering the single most important act that ever took place that changed the history of mankind. And you see, on the night before he was betrayed and beaten and ultimately killed for crimes that he did not commit, Jesus was meeting with his closest followers. And that's when in Matthew 6, it says, Matthew 26, it says, Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Today, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, focus in on that forgiveness that we have in Christ. Thank God that he was willing to send his son for you. God, we thank you so much for this time, and we thank you again for um, just this opportunity to remember everything that you have done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.